This is WMPG. My name is Dr. Anne, and this is Safe Space, a live show devoted to subjects that are hard to talk about because they make us feel embarrassed, afraid, vulnerable, or just really uncomfortable, and yet they're subjects that we care greatly about. Tonight is part of a series on bad mother anxiety, the fear that somehow as a mother I'm doing something that may hurt my child in the long run. My guest tonight is Martha Toll, talking about childbirth and bad mother anxiety. Martha Toll is a medical assistant at the Back Cove Midwives here in Portland, Maine. Martha leads groups of couples who come to the midwives for their prenatal care. Martha helped develop what is really a unique and creative form of prenatal care in a group setting. Martha has also worked as a certified birth doula and also as a postpartum doula, supporting women in those tender weeks and months during and after childbirth. Martha is the mother of three and has been married for 29 years. Welcome to Safe Space. Thank you so much. I'm really delighted to have you. Thanks. I wanted to ask you, you, you do all these things surrounding childbirth. Mm. How did you choose to get into this line of work? I really didn't choose it. It chose me. Okay. How, yeah. did, how did it do that? Well, my whole life I was taken with babies and the thought of mothers giving birth to babies. I had an aunt who was a labor and delivery and neonatal nurse, and her work just fascinated me. And no matter what job I was doing at any given time, there was always the mom thing and the baby thing and that birth thing. Does your aunt know that you're doing this? She's deceased. Mm. Yeah. But she did know that I was doing birth doula work. Oh, she did. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. So she got to find out that she had been an inspiration to you. Well, she knew that. She was my birth doula three times. Oh, she was. Yeah. Oh, that's great. So you had been on the receiving end too. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Well, I want to ask you, I know that in your work, you meet with couples when they're pregnant, when the, the mom is pregnant, the sure. mom to be, mm-hmm. and that you work with them, you know, in, in the months leading up to childbirth. And I wanted to ask you, you know, does bad mother anxiety start before birth? I think it probably does. It does. It yeah. probably starts before conception. Sometimes. Right. Sometimes. And so what are, what are some examples of ways that you see pregnant women worrying in advance that they will be bad mothers? Well, I think it all depends on their life experience and the model of mothering that they've been privy to. But I think what I see are, are pretty normal anxieties about, am I going to be able to do this? Am am I picking the right provider? Am I going to go to the right hospital? Am I making choices that are harming my baby? If I had three glasses of wine before I had a positive home pregnancy test, what did that do to my baby? And does that make me a bad mom? I mean, it's simple, right? On, on many levels, simple and so common and so complex too. Right. But yeah, Absolutely universal. And so do you reassure people who've had a little wine before they realize they were pregnant? Of course. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so they worry, have I chosen the right provider? So I know that you work with midwives, which offers a particular model of care, Mm. um, kind of a high touch, high care model. Sure. And what would people's worries be about whether that was the right choice for them? Well, I think they want to know that they've that they're making good medical choices. I think in our, in the birth culture, in our society right now, it's highly medicalized. Midwives don't, don't do lots of intervention. We don't push, um, anesthesia. 
for birth, although it's absolutely an option if it's right for the woman. But, you know, with the the birth culture now, we see epidural, 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 planned C-sections. And, okay, there's part of some women who think, well, maybe that's how you're supposed to give birth. Women in our society haven't haven't been around families and normal birth and the fact that the women in their families know how to birth. Right. They so maybe that, that haven't confidence. heard their own birth story or their mom second-guessed her experience. So they have some trepidation in how their body's going to handle that. Right. So at a very kind of basic level, bad mother ex- anxiety extends to, does my body know how to do this? Sure. And yes. that's really one of the foundational premises of midwifery care is, yes, your body knows how to be pregnant. It knows how to grow the baby that's just right for you to give birth to. And it knows how to do all of that, whether you academically know it or not, with very little intervention, lots and lots of support, but very little tweaking. After all, the model's been around for eons, hasn't it? Right. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So, and do you find women who want that, they believe in it, they value it, they think it's going to be best for the baby. But when it comes right down to thinking about doing it without anesthesia, that the thought is terrifying. I mean, do they people tell you, like, will I be able to stand it? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. How will I know what it feels like? How am I going to handle that? One of the things that um, strikes me is, and we'll talk more about this later, but how often women judge themselves for the choices they make as mothers. And are there ways that you can help women not judge themselves if they do need anesthesia? Oh, absolutely. I think that, I, you know, I think part of it is education. We're great at that. We spend a lot of time on education, whether people are doing the group model or the traditional model of private appointments. Um, women know, you know, in our practice exactly what their options are and what the risks and benefits are. And, um, and so by the time they get to the place where they say, you know what, I'm ready, they are ready and they're okay saying that because we haven't, we haven't undermined their confidence by saying, so are you ready for medication yet? Right. You know, they, they ask for it because they know it's, it's going to work for them and they're in the place. It's not always the case, but certain, and, and, you know, making any big decision, Women in particular, mothers especially, are always going to second-guess themselves. It's a full-time job, I think. <laughs> <laughs> a full-time job. Yeah. Kind of self-doubt, questioning, self-criticism even. You bet. Yeah. You bet. So it's interesting, isn't it, that women are socialized to that um, and then suffer for it. Well, you know, I was I was thinking just the other day, I think moms... M- most moms at some point or, and, and women too, sort of carry around a tape measure with them so that they can measure themselves against everybody else, right. whether it's the job or, or their prenatal care or the way they gave birth or the development of their baby. Is he sitting up? Is he sleeping through the night? That's the big one. Our society just doesn't revere the realm of normal the wide range, and we don't revere women 
who are doing the work of growing babies and giving birth to them. That's right. And I, and then the women compare themselves. Yes. Right. And, and with no, with no good consequence. Never. (laughs) Of any kind. (laughs) Rarely. No. And so you know this, you have this tape measure idea about women. Do you address this in your groups? Do you, do you make this explicit? We, I, I've actually never talked about the tape measure thing. I mean, I've used that in I think other you ways. gotta talk about the tape measure, Martha. <laughs> Maybe the tape measure is coming up. <laughs> I think right? he's gotta get into that curriculum. <laughs> oh, we'll work it in. Uh, but I think, I, I think we see that in so many segments of being a parent. You know, when, when your kids are getting older, what school are they going to? What college have they applied to? What, what's their SAT score? Or is he potty trained yet? I mean, it's just, it goes on and on and on and on. But, um, I think, yes, we absolutely do talk about expectations and being kind to yourself at all times, being gentle with yourself and making sure that your experience and your choices are authentic for you. Part of what strikes me as you list those things that women, you know, judge themselves and compare themselves is how much we take our child as a reflection on us. Oh. As if the age that your child sits is somehow a marker. That's right. Of whether you're being a good mother. Absolutely. Yeah. So you really can't win. It's hard. <laughs> right. It's hard. But you know, you get a lot of chances to practice. How do you mean? If you have more children? No, yeah. I think over and over with one child, we'll do it. I see. I see. Because there's so many. Yeah. So is many miles through the night. Is he yeah. sitting up? Is he eating solid food? Is he? No, right. it's just. Is he going to kindergarten? I hope you're right. Can I he hope... ride a bicycle? Right. So, <laughs> right. So I hope you're right that by each successive milestone that the the mother gets kinder and kinder to herself. Uh, that's my hope. And I hope you're right. Yeah. Yeah. I, because it, it, it has to be that way. You have to lighten up or eventually. there would be no species left. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's just too hard. <laughs> it's too hard. Mm-hmm. Right. This is WMPG. My name is Dr. Anne. This is Safe Space. And I'm talking to Martha Toll about childbirth and bad mother anxiety. So I want to switch now to afterbirth, postpartum. I know you worked for mm. eight years as a doula with women who had just recently given birth. Yeah. And what did you see in those early sleep deprived, slightly shell shocked days? <laughs> you know, did, did you, what, how did you hear stories about bad mother anxiety then? Well, I think that again, there's this societal thing and, and, um, and this romantic notion that moms have of, I'll give birth and then I'll go home and my house will be spotless and the meals will all be warm and homemade and my baby will have, you know, no drool on the clothes and sleep through the night at two months and I'll breastfeed and it will just be awesome. And you know what? That's all possible, but not all in the early With a weeks. lot of paid help. And not, <laughs> not all at the same time. You know, one piece at a time. And really the, the reality for brand new moms is similar to what I, and I've never experienced an immersion course, but I liken it to the thought of going to another country without knowing the language, having a tour guide or an affiliation and being immersed in having to figure it out. And in talking while, while to you people, have no sleep, while you have no sleep, <laughs> learning yeah. Chinese on no sleep <laughs> <laughs> and how to, you know, use chopsticks at the same time. Right. While someone's crying 
right. you know, and put, and that's, I mean, so that sounds so bleak, but it really, it isn't because. Because China is a fascinating country. China is great. <laughs> but, you know, mothering is really hard. Pa- new parenting for dads, too. It's really hard, but it is the most rewarding thing you will ever do. And, There's no doubt about that. You know, and I think, though, that gets said so much, and yet so many women I know don't feel that for a while. They oh, don't yeah. necessarily feel this is the most rewarding thing I've ever done. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe for quite a while. Mm-hmm. And and yet there, that feels so bad as if somehow I'm already failing because I'm not enjoying this very much. Yeah. And um, it's it's hard to find, you know, in a way, mothers are really honest about that because the pressure to feel like it's the most rewarding thing is so instant. Well, it's in every magazine you open up, right? right? You're going to glow through your entire pregnancy and give birth in a perfect way, the way you planned. And we know that birth unfolds. We don't ever plan it. So when you were working as a postpartum doula, was that part of your work to help women debrief their experience and the ways that it really didn't go maybe the way they'd hoped? Yeah, to be, to provide them a safe space, to talk about anything that they felt about their birth, and to fill in some of the gaps or answer questions to help them untangle maybe the knots that they thought were there. But in the end, really, they feel stronger because we find the, the power. Do you, you know, have an example of that? It. Tell me what you mean when you say that. I'd love to hear if, if there's an example that comes to mind. Well, I think, oh, there's so many examples. I guess um, one that I can think of is a mom who just second-guessed herself every step of the way during her pregnancy. Can I do it? Am I doing the right thing? Is this the right way to go? And a labor that unfolded that was challenging for her personally. It really didn't match what her thought of labor was, although she'd never labored before. So that's hard uh, to to make your thought identical to your experience. Right. So many women say, nobody told me. Right. right. And, and as is common with so many women, she was very vocal in her labor. Labor is primal and very often, um, women make sounds and are very vocal. And she thought that was a complete failure. Oh, she said, I can't believe I made noise. What a failure. I, I just, I, I can't believe I did that. So she was embarrassed. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. When really that allowed her to be stronger than she knew she could be. Hmm. It was tapping into something really primal, some strength. Going to that primal place is the strongest place there is. Yeah. You know, it strikes me. I used to lead groups for postpartum women who were struggling with some depression, all of whom had given these, you know, completely idealized natural childbirths. And they all felt at some, at some level, some sense of failure about a piece of their birth. Mm. And I was so struck at how, how painful and how necessary that is. And yet what a burden so many women carry. Mm -hmm. And I almost wonder if that really comes out of the fact that we don't see home birth. I mean, we're not living in extended families anymore. Um, we don't, we don't have birthing rooms in our homes. You know, we're not witness to it over and over and over again. Right. We're cut off from it. I think that's that mm-hmm. piece about nobody told me mm-hmm. is, 
it's so kind of sanitized and we don't really talk about it that there's so much that I think information that women actually hunger for. That they do. The real story. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I absolutely think so. I want to also ask you about postpartum depression, which, you know, we know so much more about mm. and, um, and the kind of shame and judgment that people feel about that. And I wondered when in your work as a doula, did you work with women struggling with that? Oh, I did. I did. And that's one of those places that is near and dear to my heart because it is such a shameful place to be from the woman's perspective. And it's such an incredibly isolating circumstance. And women are so vulnerable after having given birth, but then to be suffering from depression, they're really just incapacitated. And um, I did a lot of work through Postpartum Support International for well, three or four years, um, learning more about it, supporting more, um, taking calls from women throughout the state. Um, where can I get resources? How How do I know this is happening to me? All of that. And I think, yes, just walking into a, a new home, you know, somebody would call me and say, could, could you come? And coming in and seeing a complete stranger in her bathrobe, holding her baby, just sobbing, waiting at the door. It just, it just rips your heart right out. Mm -hmm. And giving her a safe place to just be with herself go through what she's going through and help her take one step at a time toward a better place. This, uh, the, so many kind of com things add on to it. The feeling of what's wrong with me that this is happening. What's wrong with me? I'm not enjoying it. What's wrong with me that I don't mm -hmm. feel so grateful that this baby is the best thing. I oh. must be such a bad mom because yeah. I'm sad and I'm not happy. It's no. striking, too, because one of the cardinal signs of depression is a feeling of worthlessness. Of course. It so it's just, yeah. it just, so it's like the perfect storm. Yep. Yep. It is. And that's really, that's really it. I mean, it, there are, there's a, a hormonal piece, but it, it is a perfect storm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Where circumstances and sometimes it's a birth experience, sometimes it's, uh, family members being out of town and can't come. Sometimes it's a husband who has to go back to work right away or a partner. Um, or just, just the last straw on the pile. Right. You know? With a little sleep deprivation and isolation yes, added in. Absolutely. Yes. Mm -hmm. This is WMPG. My name is Dr. Anne. This is Safe Space. And I'm talking to Martha Toll about childbirth and bad mother anxiety. And I want to switch now to talk a little bit about you. And, um, <laughs> you know, so you, your oldest child is almost 28, I understand. Yeah. You have three yeah. kids. Mm -hmm. And so you have some perspective about bad mother anxiety. And I'd love to hear a little bit for you personally. Um, you know, 28 years ago, what was, what was that postpartum time like for you? Do you remember struggling with bad mother anxiety then? I don't know that I was aware of bad mother anxiety. I, I was really young um, when my first baby was born, although, you know, not a teenager. But um, I, well, I we would I never just... have called it then. That, yeah, of course. Right. <laughs> right. But did you have struggles where you really doubted yourself and wondered, of am course. I doing this right? I one of my best friends in the entire world was my mother-in-law. She had nine children and she was just maternal person. 
And we lived with her, uh, she and my father-in-law, for a good month after my first was born. And he he didn't go to sleep readily when I thought he should. You know, he nursed and then he'd fuss and I'd work at that and I'd work at it and I'd bounce him and I'd change him and I'd snuggle him and I'd, and she would say, oh, here, give him to me. And two seconds later, he would be sound asleep on her chest and I'd think, that's it. I'm a total failure. I must be the worst mother in the world. Right. Someone else can comfort my baby more than me. But not me. Right, because of course the image is that the mother, as soon as the baby goes to the mother, then mm-hmm. the baby will quiet. Right. Yes. But really, she had no bad mother anxiety. <laughs> she knew he was going to go to sleep at some point, and so he just... So when yeah. you say that, <laughs> are you meaning that at some level your frantic efforts to get him to sleep were actually self-defeating, and that because she wasn't frantic... Probably. Amazingly <laughs> yeah. enough, the baby sensed it and could relax. Of course. You know, I... I tried hard as a postpartum doula not to be that person because it's so easy when you're not frantic. Right. You mean you tried hard to not be the person who did it better than the yeah. mom? <laughs> right. So I think of it as the chick- the pickle jar theory, if you will. You know, you try, you work with the vice grips and you get the rubber thing out and you bang the jar and you give it to somebody else and say, here, you try it. Instantly, and they open the it instantly lid without over. lifting a finger. Right? right. Yeah. I see. So you came in, but offering support, but you didn't want to make them feel worse about themselves by <laughs> making it look so easy. Well, it's, yeah. Yeah. How it's wonderful that cavern. you brought that. Yeah. That mm. sounds so helpful. Mm. So then, you know, the next time that I guess maybe, you know, the times that people think of as most challenging in the life of a parent would be you know, the terrible twos and then the teenage years. Oh, yeah. And uh, I'd love to hear how did how did your fear that you were being a bad mother express itself in those times? Well, I think with the teenagers, not so much. Well, of course, you're always wondering, am I doing the right thing? Should I let him go? Should I keep him at home? Should I say yes? Should I say no? What are other parents doing? You know, how do I get it right? But I think for me, the biggest challenge was when one of them had done something mm, not right. Less that, than desirable. Less than, <laughs> yes, thank you so much. Yes. They were perfect angels, of right, course. Right, of course. This yeah. almost never happened. Never. <laughs> um, but those times were the times that I judged myself particularly harshly. I am the worst parent ever. How could my child have said this. Right. So the fact they even did it to begin with meant you were bad. Mm -hmm. Right. And Mm -hmm. then, of course, that thought really helped you work with them in the most productive way. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Calm years. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. A lot of reflection. You know, and for mm -hmm. me as a mother, you know, I'm not at the teenage stage yet, but I, um, I know that the literature, the parenting literature for younger kids is so overwhelmingly confusing because it's absolutely polar opposite. It gives opposite. So one school of thought, you know, the Ferber school will tell you, you know, Mm -hmm. let the truck cry it out and so on and so forth. The other Dr. Sears attachment parenting school will tell you, you know, if you leave, if your child doesn't sleep in the same bed, I'm exaggerating. My apologies to Dr. Sears. But, you know, your child will be scarred forever if you don't, you know, if you ever put your baby down kind of thing. And there's the mother in the middle, not like, oh, my gosh, what to do. Was that your experience as a mother of a teen? Did you get conflicting advice? Well, I think, um, of course, my husband was just an integral part of that journey 
because we did it together. And when I was up on the ceiling, he, he would help me come down and vice versa. Um, but I think practicing trusting your in, intuition, you're the person who knows your child the best. Nobody else has your child's best interests in mind all the time. And, and, and is this right for our family? Right. Those were my guidelines. And was that, I, I think the question you raise about trusting yourself, it, it, it's so clearly what it helps. And yet it's not so easily arrived at, particularly because bad mother anxiety is the opposite yeah. of trusting yourself. Exactly. So how did you move from bad mother anxiety to trusting yourself? How did you get there? Well, I think there was therapy. Right. <laughs> Always a good and, investment. Yeah. And lots of practice. And, you know, with practice comes trial and error. Um, I think it's hard when you're dealing with more than one child because each one is unique and has a, needs a different approach and has a different uh, journey in life. But just doing the best you can with the circumstances you're given at any one time, with your life experience and your best, the, your thoughts of the best interest for your child and your family. Yeah. You know, and certainly it's easier for me to talk about it now because none of my children are teenagers anymore. Right, exactly. You are thankfully <laughs> past that. Right. I mean, I think that so often it, part of what makes it hard to trust ourselves as mothers is because we get not just the books giving us conflicting advice, but family members, mm. perhaps suggesting we might be doing it a little better in another direction. Well, everybody has an opinion. <laughs> And, yes. and that goes throughout the entire spectrum from early pregnancy through anticipating birth, breastfeeding, sleeping, vaccination, circumcisions, going to school, yada, yada, yada. Right? Right. Everybody has an opinion on what you ought to do. Right. So just as you were saying before that you get practice in terms of comparing yourself. So at some point, I mean, as I'm listening to, it's almost like, you get, you just have to draw a line in the sand and say, okay, finally, I'm going to trust myself here. Mm -hmm. I'm going to decide I actually know my child better. Mm -hmm. I think it's safe to trust your intuition. Um, you have it for a reason. Yeah, I know. And it talks to you louder and louder if you don't listen. <laughs> right. You know, it's the thing that talks to you when you made the decision that went against your intuition. It says, I don't know. Do you really think that was a good idea? Something no, about that didn't feel right. Yeah. 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 That's trustworthy. That's when you feel unsettled. So now your children are all three grown. All three out of college. Okay. I yes. call that grown. Grown. <laughs> I guess they're grown. Yep. Yeah. So mm -hmm. does bad mother anxiety persist with adult children? Well, that's yet to be determined. I think, <laughs> you know, we're doing, we're in a great spot now and there's always worry, but there's no, I'm not making decisions for my children anymore. You know, right. they're coming to me for guidance, possibly, or to share their frustration. It's not for me to solve their, their tangles. It's for me to help them sort things out on their own. So there's some relief. It sounds like there's some lessening for you. Yes. Yeah. So now if they were all convicts and, and drug addicts, you might feel a little differently. I might not be right here. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Maybe that's the next person I should interview. <laughs> Because I can imagine the bad mother anxiety for someone whose child, adult child is struggling 
could be overwhelming. Well, we've certainly had those moments and it's absolutely debilitating as a parent to be worried about an adult child. It there's, there's nothing that's challenged me more. I, it's fair to say. I can imagine. And is there, I, you know, I know your kids are grown and it might be, it might feel, um, uncomfortable to speak about it. So I totally respect if it doesn't mm. feel appropriate. Mm -hmm. Is there an example, when you say that's really challenging, is there an example that comes to mind? Oh, well, sure. Um, one of our children, uh, last year in college made a choice that he shouldn't have and had to face the consequences. And that was just absolutely debilitating for our whole family, for my husband and I, and for the child and getting through it in a way that held him accountable and responsible, but supported him. Um, it all worked out. Uh, it, it, everything came out the way it was supposed to. And, um, we're all fine, but yeah, one, you know, one choice can take you down a path you least expected. Right. Yeah. Right. It's like in that there's that unconditional love idea. Well, <laughs> yeah, they don't stop falling down just because they're right. six feet tall. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So we're going to have to stop in a minute, Martha, but I want to ask you if, if someone wanted to contact you or what's a way that someone who wants, who, so maybe a couple out there who's listening who is pregnant who wants to work with Back Cove Midwives, how can they sure. find your group? Well, we have a website. Back Cove has a website. It's backcovemidwives.com. And your group is called Connections. Is Connections, that right? yep. And there's a write-up on the website about what the group uh, is like. Martha to Toll, you, it's been wonderful to talk to you. We've been speaking about childbirth and bad mother anxiety. Thank you so much for being my guest. Oh, thanks so much for having me in. My thanks to Goober for mixing the sound and Maurice Lennon for the music. If you'd like to contact me to request a topic or have a suggestion for a further show, please contact me at drannwmpg at gmail.com. That's dr.annewmpg at gmail.com. Coming up next is Allison with Money Talks. And next week, please listen in. I'll be talking to Catherine Black, author of Mothering Without a Map, about how to do it differently if you feel like your own childhood gave you a kind of an insecure foundation. But we'll, we'll tune in now to Money Talks. <laughs>